Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. It is such an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning. I just want to say graciously thank you to Mother Andrea for the invitation to be with you on this Gaudete Sunday, and particularly Consecration Sunday, as we rejoice in the Lord and in the abundance of God in the life of this beautiful community. This is also a Sunday where we will participate in one of the most moving and powerful rituals that I have ever experienced in the church as each of you come forward to place your offering unto the altar of God, the God of our joy and gladness, the place where we experience the living Christ crucified, where our spirits are nourished and fed, and we are empowered to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. I also just want to take a personal moment to express my gratitude to you all. As a community, you have been such an important part of my journey, both during my time with you as a seminarian, but in the years since, it's hard to believe it's been more than four years since I was here with you. Um, I'm so grateful, and I appreciate the opportunity to say that to all of you collectively. Okay, so as much as I'm sure my reminiscing is, is wonderful, moving on to our texts, we have some incredibly, incredibly rich texts this morning. The prophet Isaiah paints this breathtaking picture of what the road will look like for those who are living in exile in Babylon and what they will encounter on their journey home to Jerusalem. But it's also what a restored world will look like more broadly and not only look like, but be like. And of course, there is our canticle, the Magnificat, Mary's song proclaiming what God's salvation looks like where the powerful are cast down and the lowly lifted up, where the hungry are filled up and the rich go hungry. This radical re-leveling of creation where equity reigns. Even our opening colic this morning is just so great. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. Let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. And finally, we have John the Baptist sitting in prison after directly critiquing the power structure that is oppressing his people, asking Jesus, are you the one to come or are we to wait for another? Jesus' response recalls these images from Isaiah signaling to John, yes, the reign of God has started and how wondrous and joyful it will be. Now, John's question I don't think comes from a place of doubt though. I suspect it comes from a place of longing and wonder. Are the extraordinary things that have been prophesied coming to be? Sitting in prison, unable to see with his own eyes, he asks, are the extraordinary promises from God coming to pass? Is what you are doing ordinary of this world, or are you doing the extraordinary things of God, Jesus? 
In some ways, John seems to be in this very deep, dark night of the soul moment, a moment where he's yearning for God's transformation of the world, a world where he has given everything that he has to herald the coming of Jesus. Are you the one? Are you the one who will start this extraordinary work of restoring God's creation? If we think about it, I don't think that question is relegated just to John. I think many of us ask it, or similar questions, especially as we look around our world, our country, our community. We're just locally this week, we saw blatant racism and how our public library tried to hire a new CEO, or with gun violence continuing to be a plague on our city. The polarization we see across our country seems to be exactly the opposite of the imagery that we hear of in Isaiah. And so we ask and wonder, why is our world still plagued by injustice, violence, and exploitation? Are you the one who is to come? Will you restore this world to the glory of God? Now, for me, when that question comes on my heart, and maybe it comes often, I don't know, but I'm drawn to the lessons that I learned here from you in this faith community. I remember the ways that this congregation has responded to those moments right here in our city in our community. When the shelter around the corner closed, how you opened your doors to those who needed a warm place to stay and worked tirelessly to not only give them shelter, but to provide a permanent space for them. When white flight was occurring and many congregations moved, you stayed and continued to love your neighborhood and love your neighbors. When beloved members of our community were dying of AIDS, we were there to love them, showing them the true love of God. And I must say, I feel that every time I touch that glass chalice. When the church finally was ready, finally ready, to officially ordain women as priests and in the face of incredible community pressure, you bore witness to Mother Jackie's ordination right here 45 years ago, the first woman regularly ordained to the priesthood in the Episcopal Church. When the community desperately needed reliable public transportation, you organized, you phone banked, and you canvassed to get the new rapid transit system ballot passed to make public transit more equitable. You always show up for those who are marginalized and vulnerable, every time. All of these are signs of the extraordinary work of God's justice and restoration in our midst. You have lived out the justice proclaimed in the Magnificat and the equity portrayed in Isaiah. Over and over across generations, you have responded faithfully in extraordinary ways, showing that God's love and justice is right here within our midst, and we all can participate in ushering it in. You have done also quite an extraordinary job forming disciples through your tenderness and your care, 
helping to shape our hearts to not only know the love of God, but to embody it for all those we encounter. You know, there's always going to be a soft spot in my heart for how you form disciples. Can't help but listen to the Magnificat now, for it carries memories for me of when, during a sermon from this very pulpit, for the Feast of the Virgin Mother, I shared about the loss of my mother and how my intercessions through Mary helped me to reconnect with God. That sermon cracked me open and you tenderly held my weary soul. The grace, tenderness, and love that you showed shaped me as a preacher and a pastor. I will never forget your extraordinary witness of love to me and to so many others. You have modeled that for countless members of the community, including, and it struck me when I was here for the Feast of All Saints, there were three brand new priests up on the chancel together, all three of them formed in some way by this community. And there are so many before, and I pray there's going to be so many after as well. Your response to the call to help to form new leaders for this church, just quite frankly, has had an incredible impact, not only in our community and our diocese, but the church worldwide as well. Your faithfulness in responding to the needs of the community and its members, that's part of the restoration that answers John's question. Are you the one? Yes. Here at this altar, here in this sanctuary, Jesus is the one. In your common life, caring for each other and for our community, modeling Christ for others who then take that into their own lives, their own communities, and their own ministries. And so today, as we gather for, on this Gaudete Sunday and Consecration Sunday, we have much to rejoice in. You've called a new rector who, I gotta say, is not only just an incredible person, pastor, and preacher, She's one of the most faithful people that I know. And we rejoice in anticipation of what extraordinary possibilities lie before you as a community. And it is at this intersection of who you have been historically as a congregation and as a faith community, who you are now in relationship with your new rector, and at this moment of Consecration Sunday, in this moment, you are yet again on the cusp of something absolutely extraordinary. The Holy Spirit has been stirred and with great power has brought all of us together to this sanctuary and in this particular place with this particular altar, with this group of people to bear witness to the extraordinary opportunity that is before us. So in a few moments, we will approach this altar, the nexus of the power of the one holy life-giving and liberating God with our commitments to each other in response to God's call to continue and grow the extraordinary ministry and witness of this faith community. At that nexus, at that altar, but also in our hearts, something extraordinary is going to be put 
into motion. What will it be? Who will you become? How will the world be transformed because of your faithfulness? I don't have the answers. We're going to wait on God's grace and mercy to show us. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come upon us, that we may rejoice in your presence and in gratitude. We present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. But most of all, friends, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.